Staples bringing us in, courtesy of John Fogarty. Twisted Lister, episode 17. Welcome to the show. We're going to talk about the greatest American songwriters, hence the song, wrote a song for everyone. One of my favorites. A great tune there. That's off an album that was, of course, performed by Mavis Staples, produced by Jeff Tweedy, and a song written by one of the greatest American songwriters, John Fogarty, who's been mentioned several times on this show. And, and Todd will certainly... Yes, indeed. In, in various capacities, yes. <laughs> As always... It's important to remember yeah. that he is one of the greatest American songwriters. I'm just saying that's an important thing to remember if you listen to the show. So. He is. Todd, Todd, <laughs> Todd reminds us every every episode of that. I, you know, I feel like people here have forgotten. Maybe that's why he needs needs to. I mean, see, and clearly he's going to make Todd's list this week because he's so adamant about this. Well, he may not, but there's oh, a lot of, there's oh, a lot really? of competition. Yeah, oh, interesting. Okay, no, no spoilers. No spoilers here. All right, all right. Nobody forgets about Fogs. I mean, come on, that's, no, that's yeah, yeah. Nobody, they don't forget about and, Trey, and they, they don't forget they, about Fogs. They shouldn't. No, Fogs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, go and Fuego. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Plenty to talk about today. Lots of news. And as always, we're going to count them down. Counting down the top five uh, greatest American songwriters, in our opinion. It's usually our favorite American, our favorite whatever we're counting down. Uh, mm. You can contact us, twistedlister69 at gmail.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. You know how to do that. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Of course, this um, episode in honor of 4th of July, hence the American theme. But we wanted, we didn't want to just do like 4th of July songs, you know? We wanted to yes. give it something a little more, a little more oomph. So it's greatest American yeah. songwriters. But we, we, we would be... Uh, remiss if we didn't talk about our favorite Fourth of July song. So quick roundtable, of course. Your favorite mm. favorite fireworks slash Fourth of July slash Red, White, and Blue song. Go, Harrison. You start. Well, I think obviously being a Baltimore resident, this is a no-brainer. It's the might be the greatest American song ever written. It is definitely, I would say, probably been played more than any other song in American history, maybe even world history. Uh, Francis Scott Key, Star Spangled Banner, <laughs> National I don't, I don't know if you get points oh for originality my... <laughs> there, but okay. <laughs> OG, straight up. Star Spangled Banner. All about, all about Baltimore, baby. Yeah, that's our really? song. Yeah. It is the anniversary, right? Isn't it the, the anniversary, 200th anniversary? The anniversary. We have the Star, star Spangled celebration coming up at the end of the... Uh, at, uh, end of summer, so, yeah. Didn't you visit Fort... Is it at Fort McHenry? Is that where they have the... Uh... Didn't you go recently? I had recently, yeah, for the first time uh, in the seven years I've lived here, finally made it to Fort McHenry uh, to see the spot. And then I also went to the uh, Museum of American History to see the the original flag the song's written about. So I feel like I've done my duty as a citizen. Yeah, you have. I've never been to Fort McHenry. Yeah. And we'd be... There it is. Yeah, there it is. Little Hendrix. Beautiful. Big weekend for Metallica. I saw Metallica do this live at the Giants, the San Francisco Giants game when they it was Metallica night at the Giants game. Did they do and it they, last week? Uh, they, they, they just had Metallica in 2014. I was there in 2013. Oh, okay, so, I was going to say because oh, cool. they did yeah. it last year. I thought they did it last year during the uh, yeah. like the World Series. 
Yeah, so, that's cool. I, well, the World Series would have been two years ago. I don't. Oh, two years ago. No, the world, the famous World Series performance was the Dead. Uh, it, you know, back in the day, they did a Candlestick. They did the yeah. Uh, the, oh, okay, the so Metallica did it. Okay, they did it. it on it's Metallica Night. They do. They do. They have both Metallica Night, and they do a Grateful Dead Night too at, at AT and T Park. And on Metallica right. Night, I think I saw Lars throwing out the first pitch. Yeah. Right? So they, of course, Hetfield plays Hetfield. Uh, and Hammett play the guitar for the, the Star Spangled Banner, which leaves Lars with nothing to do. And you know you can't leave Prince Lars with nothing to do, so he no. has to throw out the first pitch. Yeah. Plus, he's not he's not American. He shouldn't be playing the song anyway. Well, he's just as American as many of the German-American soccer players on the World Cup team, so he's equally as American true. as them. It's true. So, I guess so, uh, yeah. So, 4th of July, you pick Star Spangled Banner, Harrison. Interesting pick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gee. Todd, Todd, go with your pick. Uh, I went a little more off- yeah, off okay. the beaten path. But uh, I wanted to go with someone who's probably not going to get mentioned today, but could be, you know, conceivably Neil Diamond. Oh, song yes. America. Yeah. Great song. Yeah. Ah. Great song. Neil Diamond, America. If you're looking for, you know, Fourth of July playlist you're putting together, I su- highly suggest putting Neil Diamond on there. I had a few others that I could add, but we they might come up during the show. I think some of the other artists. So if I just had to pick one, I wanted to do something different than the list today. Yeah, Neil Diamond could definitely show up on on the list for great. And I know American Scott Sarge. has an appreciation for Neil Diamond, and actually, the, all three of us saw Neil Diamond perform last year on the Fourth, on of, the July Fourth of July at Nationals Park. So exactly. that's, <laughs> that's right. Brought us all together a year ago. Oh yeah, this is a great fireworks song. Climactic towards the end of the night, the end oh, of the definitely. show. And he actually performed at the Capitol Fourth last year on the Capitol Lawn. Uh, he performed at the oh, celebration last year. That's right. Nice. Which is because he was in town, of course. He, that's why he played the Nats game. Yeah. So. Let's wait for it to kick in. It's, it kicks in here. There's nothing like Neil when he. Oh yeah. Yes. We've been traveling far. Without a home. Not without a star. All right, we get the point, Neil. Oh, it's beautiful. Good stuff. So, I love it. So I'm feeling I, patriotic already. So so I am going to leave Lee Greenwood out of this. So Lee Greenwood obviously is number one. <laughs> but you one. have to mention him. Yeah, I have to mention because neither of you mentioned Lee Greenwood. I figured we'd have. I figured there would be three songs on this list. I think there. I are figured three, I would leave that to to you. Scott. I think there are three songs yeah. <laughs> that go far and above any other song as far as Red, White, and Blue patriotic July Fourth ta- July Fourth mixtape songs. I take Star Spangled Banner off, although Jimi Hendrix's <laughs> version could be on there, but I'm going to take it off. I'm going to put – I agree with you that Neil Diamond's America is on there, coming to America. All uh, right. Nice. And then I do believe Lee Greenwood, obviously, Proud to be an American. Well, that's not – what's the name? It's not called Proud to be an American. What's it called? I forgot. I it's, thought it was called Proud to be an American. I don't think – I think it's something else. I think it's called God All Bless right. the USA. It's God Bless the USA. Oh, God yeah. bless. Okay. That would be on God there, of the course. USA. And then – Yeah. I mean, you guys, you can't have a July 4th mixtape without – the greatest entrance music of all time for any wrestler okay. ever, <laughs> of course. I was hoping it was this. I was you, hoping you it was this. Ultimate Warrior? No. No, dude. Uh, oh, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. You, you, nice. No. Yeah, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. It's Hulk Hogan. You gotta take a stand. It don't have to hide. If you have my friends, then you have my pride. I gotta be a man. You gonna sing the chorus? Right of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't put me on the spot. That's it. That's it. <laughs> it out. Come I, on. All right. 
Hopefully they play this in the World Cup game to get the guys all pumped up before Belgium. Oh, yeah. Right after Eye of the Tiger, man. Eye of the Tiger's written by a foreign band. Come on, man. I'm talking about a great song to get pumped up to. I wasn't talking about True. an American song. Where is Survivor from anyways? I don't know. They... Okay, you said they were foreign. I didn't know where they're from. Oh, I think they're foreign. <laughs> they look, they seem foreign, don't they? I don't know. But they, I, I, I figured they're American because they were used oh. like, so heavily in Rocky IV, which I guess... is a great... Cold War era. Yeah, they are, according to Wikipedia, they are American. Oh, All right. shit. God, so we go. I just, I, you know what? Here's, you know what? You know why my brain went foreign? Because I just thought they were interchangeable with the Scorpions. So oh, that was, yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, here's an interesting fact. I of the Tiger was put on the Rocky Three soundtrack because Sylvester Stallone couldn't get the rights to uh, Another One Bites the Dust. Really? Oh. So he, he asked them to write the song for Rocky Three. So oh. there you go. Well, I think that was a much better selection, actually, just for that, for that purpose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah for better, sure. Another one bites. Uh, I don't know, better song. That's a tough call. I, the I'm not saying it's a better song. No, 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 I'm no, saying no, it's, it's more a, appropriate yeah, for the but, movie. But that's, that's a tough call because yeah. I, the Tiger, is a very good song. It's like it's a good. It's a you good, remember, and it's and it's, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate yeah, montage song. Yeah, it is. Every montage is done to Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, whether they, whether they play it at the same time or not, it's done to Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on with the countdown here. Greatest American songwriters. Uh, Harrison, you ready to kick things off? I think I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. I'm gonna start uh, with a more contemporary artist for my greater great American songwriters. I actually sat down and kind of re-listened to his whole discography um, last week and thought he deserved a place on the list. I put Beck down as my fifth choice for great American songwriters. He has done so much, going all the way back to Mellow Gold and uh, and the early stuff, One Foot in the Grave. He has done so many different genres of music, and I think there's, you know, he's done such a good job putting together albums as well that, you know, emote and give feeling that I think Beck should be on the list. So one one suggestion I was going to say for this countdown, since we're all going to give very well-known artists for the most part, uh, I think yeah. it'd be kind of cool to talk about maybe our favorite song from each artist or, you know, the, the, the specific Lister's favorite song. So if there is a favorite, what's your favorite Beck tune if you have one? I don't know. If you, but I, I mean, yeah. I think Lo Loser, I mean, just if you're going to – obviously his, his first and most endearing hit, I think um, I'd have to choose that one to start with. Uh, is that your favorite, or are you just saying that's like a signature? It might be my favorite. Um, okay. right. there. I mean, Devil's Haircut would be a close second, I think. Which I mean, he I opened with at Firefly, by the which way. He did open with a Firefly, which was, which was awesome. Tie into our Firefly recap. That was a highlight. Yeah, it was a highlight. So, yeah, Devil's Haircut, another great one. And, um, yeah, so we go from there. My number four um, is going to be Billy Joel who I think waned in, in the later years, but the early stuff, I mean, Piano Man, growing up, we had like three albums in the car, Piano Man, um, uh, Graceland, and uh, Skeletons in the Closet. And we I heard those three albums more than any other, and Piano Man really stuck out. Uh, and I'm actually going to choose Piano Man as my favorite Billy Joel song. Not a stretch. Not a stretch by any means. Why Why would there only be three albums in the car? You mean you couldn't carry every song in the world in your pocket at that time? No, it was weird. <laughs> yeah, there's a limited amount of space. Yeah. The, um, that that weird tapes. time known as the 80s, <laughs> yeah. we didn't have that ability. So weird, yeah. how many tapes you could put in the car. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. But those those three were reliably always in the car, so we heard them a lot. So, um, I, um, you know, Graceland being another fantastic one. Well, Number three, I'm going with uh, Johnny Cash. Uh, 
yes. a great American. A good, you know, I think that old school country doesn't get enough respect on this show, and uh, Johnny Cash is up there as a great songwriter, and I think a very accessible songwriter. His songs are, you know, uh, are dark, but still um, everybody can relate. I think, and I'm going to go with Folsom, uh, Folsom Prison Blues for my favorite there. It's a great uh, song. I was talking, thinking about Johnny Cash yesterday. He's not on my list, but obviously he was in contention. He's, mm-hmm. but uh. But I was thinking about which songs, because I know June wrote Ring of Fire, so I was thinking about going back and looking at, you know, what songs he, has, he wrote he and what like songs a, he did not write. But. They say he, he he gets, like, a co-writing credit for Ring of Fire. Oh, does he? So, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. But anyway, okay. no, he's still, he's still a great choice. So. Yeah, and uh, number two, Todd, this is for you, but, you know, I think he deserves to be here. Hey, do it for yourself. Um, Don't do it for me. Okay, well, that's fine, but I just, you know, I have to <laughs> I acknowledge. I will let you do all the talking on this one. Uh, I'm going with with the boss, Bruce, right up there. And, I'm gonna, uh, I, and for a favorite song, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it up because there's plenty to talk about. But I'm going to go with The Rising on that one. No, hey. Oh, wow. Hey. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I yeah. like it. 20, 21st century Bruce. Yeah. Yep. It ties into part of my reasoning why he should be up yep. there. <laughs> and um, number one, should go without saying at this point because he hasn't been mentioned yet, is uh, is Uncle Bob. Bob Dylan, number <laughs> Uncle one. Bob. <laughs> Uncle Bob. And my favorite song, I'm going to go with uh, Subterranean Homesick Blues. Great so, one. Yeah. Great one. All right. I think Bob Dylan, as Harrison and I were kind of discussing at Firefly last weekend, I think he qualifies as possibly a gimme. Um, in this, in this category. Almost, yeah, like a, yeah. A, a removed. You know, there's, there, most, well, I feel like most categories, there are not, there is not such a thing, I feel, but I, I feel like, you know, and we'll get in, we can get into it, that, but I know he's, he's number one on my list, so I'll just yeah, say that but, now. But I, I think it's just like. I think it's very hard to make the argument that he's not, that he's not number one. It's just like, so. it's just like finishing out your putts. You still have to put him at number one. He, there's no gimmies because oh, somebody, course. somebody yeah. could come out here and say, "Hey, I don't, I don't agree with you. I think Springsteen's one, uh-huh. or I think such and such I is was one." Talking so, to yeah. a listener, uh, yeah. Michael, yesterday, and he yeah. does not agree. I don't think. There so you go. He, yeah. He's he's a not a big Bob Dylan fan, so he's yeah. he's seen him six times, but. And, <laughs> and Harris. That's because of my uncle Leon, actually. So not because of his fandom. Harrison, you were raised on the sounds of the Grateful Dead. Robert Hunter, not on your list. Where did did you consider? Not because he's Hunter? a lyricist. Okay. He's, a, yeah. he's the lyricist. That's yeah. a, he's not a songwriter, right? Yeah. So he yeah. was. I and I thought about that, and I was considering Robert Hunter, but he's a lyric. He does. He's not a songwriter. You know, in the in the fullest of the sense. Right. He, I mean, didn't he didn't write the songs. music, right? He, he didn't write the music. I mean, he has written songs, but like that wasn't his role in the Grateful Dead. You know, he was. So I didn't give it to him, but he was a consideration. Yeah, sure. it bears mentioning definitely. Yeah. And you mentioned the Dead, obviously. But yeah. uh, hey, that's a that's a great list. That so, is a great that is a great uh, list. So re- recapping, I, oh, go ahead, Todd. Go ahead. No, I was gonna yeah. say I, I just I like the inclusion of Beck on there just because it's something a little different. I tried to do the same thing with my list with uh, I do have four older artists and then I put like one more contemporary. But go ahead, Scott. You're oh, yeah, I was gonna recapping Harrison's list. It's uh, obviously taking Beck as the more modern pick and then the heavyweights of rock and roll with Billy Joel at four, Johnny Cash at three, Bruce Springsteen at two, and Bob Dylan at number one. Prohibitive number one, I Pro- think. Prohibitive yeah. number one. Todd, moving on, man. All right. What do you got? All right. Um, as I said, yeah, I went with my number five is one that's it may not be as well known to people, but uh, is my favorite. He's my favorite song- singer songwriter that's under the age of forty um, today, and that's Josh Ritter. And uh, I've seen Josh Ritter numerous times live. I highly recommend seeing him if you ever get the chance. He's from 
uh, Moscow, Idaho, originally. So nice. very American. Um, and uh, he's got a great sound that actually blends, I think he blends really well my top three, um, two of which are Bob Dylan and Springsteen, but he definitely blends their sounds um, along with my number three, who I'll mention in a minute. But he's just an incredible songwriter. I think he now has about, uh, I want to say about five albums. Um, but an incredible body of work. The album The Animal Years, I think, is the one that really put him on the map. That was his third album. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an incredible album. So also So Runs the World Away, which came out, I think, in 2010, is an incredible album. Um, so actually, I think he has six albums now. So anyway, Josh Ritter, he tours a lot. I think he's working on a new album right now. Um, but just, like I said, I think he's the best singer-songwriter under 40 or 50, maybe, because he's probably getting close to 40. But he's number five. Number four, um, someone we haven't mentioned yet, uh, but Tom Petty, I have at number four. Um, I, Good it's pick. Hard, it's, yeah, it's hard to think of someone who's who's been as consistent as Tom Petty over the last, like, 35 years uh, that he's been doing it. Um, just consistently great output, I think, over that time. And I think Petty is really... Um, the perfect synthesis of of Bob Dylan and the Birds, and he would he always cites them as influences. So I'm not I'm not going out on any limb there by saying that, but I think you know the Birds and Bob Dylan are these two amazing American songwriting traditions from the '60s when he was growing up, and then he brought that to bear with you know his own work solo and with the Heartbreakers, um, and then he went on later, of course, to work with George Harrison and Dylan in the Traveling Wilburys. Um, which was pretty cool, I thought, because he got to work with his idols. Not everyone gets to do that. Um, and they did some great work in the Traveling Wilburys, too. Well, Harrison um, Harrison gets to do that by working up with us, Todd. No, uh, no, that's true. Every day is, uh, yeah. you know, I yeah. feel blessed. Yeah. God bless God bless us and the USA. That's Lee, exactly. Greenwood's, that's Lee Greenwood's next song. I wanted to chime in on, on Petty real quick, Todd, mm-hmm. because I, there's something interesting about Petty and his songwriting, and, and I didn't have him on my final list, and he actually didn't even yeah. come to mind for me, but uh, really? I think I kind of underrated him in a lot of ways because I think back on his body work, and he's written – these unbelievable hits, which we we all know, yeah. uh, you know, the old the classic rock tunes like Refugee and American Girl and so on and so forth. And then the later work like Wildflowers and the She's the One soundtrack are incredible mm-hmm. songs. And not that the others aren't incredibly well written, but the lyrics of some of those songs are incredible. And they're some of the I think they're some of the, the most well written songs um, that we've heard in the last 30, 30 years or so. I, I think, you know, they're really good. That's I mean, hey, it's all personal, yeah. but some of those songs. Songs really meant a lot to me on both of those albums, Wildflowers album. I mean, you know, Time to Move On, and 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 there's, yeah. there's other stuff on there, and then obviously she's the one with songs like California uh, and some other ones, and yeah, it's 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 a, it's uh, anyway. It, it, when you yeah. look at his song his songbook, it's it's really it's pretty impressive, and I I think you raise a good point, Scott, because I think he doesn't. I think there's been I think there's a new respect that he, that people have found for him in the last like five years, maybe five or ten years that that. that people didn't have as much or they didn't mention him in the same breath as like as Dylan or Springsteen or some of these other uh, people but I do I think he you know he belongs up in that uh, or Sean Fogarty too but he belongs in that kind of pantheon of Mm -hmm. of great not just American songwriters, but great songwriters. And let's um, not let's not leave out Last DJ stuff off there. I mean, yeah. Last DJ is oh, yeah. a no, great he, song. He continues. You know? yeah. his, look, his last yeah. album, I think it was called Saving Grace. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that, that was a great album. So he continues to put out great stuff. And that's one thing I think that's worth mentioning on uh, with some of these older artists, and I'd say the same about Springsteen, is they continue to put out good work in their 50s and even 60s. 
which you, you can't say about a lot of people. It's rare. Um, it's very rare yeah. to continue yeah. to be relevant for and, that and that's long. What, that's why I mentioned Petty's consistency. Oh, I forgot to mention, I guess we're, I didn't know we were going to do the favorite songs, but I would say, um, yeah, with Josh Ritter, going back to him, probably the song uh, Monster Ballads, which uh, I used to play a lot, but that's a, that's probably my number one song. And then Petty, Petty, that's a tough call, but uh, yeah, I maybe... Oh, that's a tough call. Maybe a higher place. I'm just going off the top of my head, but off of Wild Wildflowers is higher I think place, a classic right? album. Yeah. It's an incredible album. We and talked that, about it in the 1994 episode a little bit. Yeah, and then, yeah. then you've got Highway Companion with, with Square One, which is a great song. We didn't mention Room at the Top of the World, which is off of oh, that yeah, last off Echo. T- off Echo. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's written some amazing songs in, in the last, uh, like we said, you know, I said 30 years, but even some of his old, older, popular stuff is 30 years, but really in the last 15 to 20 years, uh, he's written some incredible stuff that is so different than those classic rock, I don't know if the way to say it is party anthems, but, you know, sing-along songs. Yeah, that, you know? like American so, yeah. American Girl, you still hear that out at, like, you know, that gets people dancing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that open of that song? Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, it's, it's yeah, incredible. So I mean, this, the Strokes basically lifted it for yeah. last night. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true, yeah. Uh, that's how good it is, you know? It worked as yeah. a hit multiple times. Yeah. So anyway, moving on on my list, uh, number three, someone that, um, that, that hasn't been mentioned. Well, Harrison did mention Graceland, but Paul Simon um, I, I, I got the pleasure. I had the pleasure of seeing Paul Simon live a few months ago for the first time, uh, and he was incredible. I saw him with Sting, which was even more impressive to see both those guys. Um, but but he's the guy's uh, he's amazing. I mean, he basically, as I see it, he carried that torch. He came from that folk scene that Dylan was in. Dylan obviously mm-hmm. moved to New York in 1961. Paul Simon was from New York, um, but he came out of that folk scene with Garfunkel. And just, you know, I was listening to, over the course of this week, to a lot of Simon and Garfunkel and Simon's solo stuff, and he's just, uh, he's a tremendous songwriter. And actually, I would say he, he took what Dylan did, because he, he has a very thoughtful, literate songwriting style and approach, but I think he's, he's a little more melodic, and maybe some would say that's not saying a lot, but more melodic than Dylan, um, and, and of course had the harmonies with Garfunkel, which you can see the big Everly Brothers influence. They even covered the Everly Brothers a bunch in their early work, but um, so many good things to choose from, and and again, I guess Paul Simon, kind of like Billy Joel, in the sense that there's not a lot I can say in the last. He hasn't put a lot of great stuff in the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, some some decent stuff, uh, probably better than Billy Joel in the last 20 years. But probably. you know, I, but probably since um, since Rhythm of the Saints, which was the follow up to um, to Graceland, that's probably those are probably the last great works I think he did. But but still. Uh, you know, yeah, you look at his catalog, and I think it's incredible. So I had to include him, and I guess if I was going to say a favorite song, gosh, that's pretty tough, too. Um, actually, I'm going to say it because it's a 4th of July episode. I want to say the song America by, uh, by Simon and Garfunkel, which that's a tremendous, a great song. I actually was thinking about saying that for a 4th of July song, but it's not as celebratory as Neil Diamond. <laughs> but, <laughs> but an incredible song, which actually Sting played. It was awesome. Sting covered it when I saw him live. Just solo, just Sting, solo acoustic, and he did an amazing job with that that song. But that's, I would say that that's got to be up there as one of my favorite Simon songs. So anyway, moving I, on, number two. That's, oh, go ahead. Uh, the, as far as the, the output from the last 20 years, there's a track that I really like that's a really well-written song, in my opinion, called Old. It was written in 2000, yeah. or came, came out in 2000. Uh, not written in 2000, necessarily. We don't know when he wrote it. But uh, it came out in 2000, and it's called Old. And uh, it's a it's a good, it's a great track, and a well, really cool lyrics, and I really like it. So check that one yeah. out. It's I did, yeah, I don't mean to say yeah. yeah, he's put out some, some yeah. good stuff, but not, not like a, anything that's like a – that probably stands up to his classic stuff. 
But no, he has put out some good stuff. So Beautiful or So What was one his last album, I think, in 2011, which had some really good material on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on, number two, of course, I have Springsteen. Everyone who knows me knows I, I worship at the altar of Bruce. And, uh, and, and I actually debated over the course of the week. I was trying to be ob- as ob- objective as possible. And I'm, that might sound laughable, but I was trying to be objective. I actually had Paul Simon in the two slot for a little while. And really? When go- yeah, and then I had Bruce at three, and I and then I flipped him yesterday because I was like, you know what, you know, Bruce to couldn't me, do it. and, and it, I couldn't do it. Well, Bruce, I went back and listened to, you know, his body of work, and to me, again, this is partly just again probably a personal thing, but I grew up uh, listening, and I listen to Paul Simon a lot too. But there's a lot of meaning there for me in so many Springsteen albums, whether it's uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Born to Run, Nebraska, you know, Tunnel of Love, uh, you know, and obviously Born in the USA is a big one. But uh, you can make a case with Bruce, and I have made the case at different times that at least one of five or six albums could be his, my favorite or his best, um, I think you could say. So that's the funny thing with all this 30th anniversary Born in the USA talk. I love that album. It was my introduction to Bruce, but it's not, it's probably not even in my top four of. Bruce but, but here, so now we get to peg you down, Todd. Now you have yeah. to choose your favorite Springsteen song. Yeah, I'm yeah, so curious. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I'm so People curious have asked me this over the years, and it's changed. So it's not, it wasn't always the same. When I was in college, it was Rosalita, uh, which is it was a live staple for the East Street Band. Up until he broke up the band, they played it. They closed pretty much every show with that in the 70s and 80s. Um, and Rosalita is still a fantastic song. But uh, my opinion changed, I think, once I saw Jungle Land performed live at Madison Square Garden. Uh, in 2000 on the reunion mm-hmm. tour, um, which is, it's, there is a version that's on that live in New York City album, Jungle Land Vaulted to my favorite, um, and it is the closer, of course, to the Born to Run album, but Jungle Land just gets me every time, and a lot of, a lot of artists say Thunder Road is their favorite song, I know that, that's a good but I'd say Jungle Land. A little Jungle Land. Oh, man. Live in I mean, it's an epic, just yeah. an epic song. Um, It's incredible, and I just going. I guess for as far as the reasoning, I haven't really explained. Obviously, there's an emotional connection for me to Springsteen, but but I think he, you know, he fused that, uh, you know, because he, I know with Bruce's story, the day he saw Elvis Presley on TV was the day he knew he wanted to be a rock star or a rock singer, and uh, and I think a lot of kids had that experience in the 50s, but he brought he kind of combined Elvis, the Beatles, Dylan, and brought all that to you know to a new generation in the 70s and 80s. Um, and I think, you know, he was, I think, the greatest the greatest songwriter, you know, of that period of the, you know, whether late 70s, 80s, 90s, pretty much any time uh, since then. But, you know, he made it a little more of, he made more anthemic type of music than Dylan did, I would say. Um, and more relatable, maybe. I think Dylan tends to sometimes wrote on kind of a broader scope and, and Springsteen. Uh, I think wrote on kind of. I, I can of a, I can definitely agree with that. I mean, Springsteen songs are much more f- focused. I feel like, yeah. as opposed to Dylan. Dylan writes in broad strokes a lot Often. of the time. I mean, Dylan tells a lot of you know does a lot of great storytelling also. Yeah. But but yeah, I think I think uh, Springsteen connected. The reason why he's connected with so many people and has such a, a passionate audience, unlike many other artists I can think of, is because I think so many people can relate to him on some level. Yeah. Um, but and anyway, and that's a, the cool thing about Bruce that, that I couldn't say about like Dylan or Paul and Paul Simon brought in the whole world music thing, so I got, got to give him credit for that. But uh, Bruce always, uh, I know he has very eclectic tastes, and I know we we think of the folk beginnings and the rock stuff, but he loves soul music, 
and you can hear that definitely if you ever see him live. You can you mean you feel like you're going to church. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a strong gospel and soul influence. And then he did the whole Pete Seeger sessions and the Seeger sessions tour. Um, but he brought a whole New Orleans feel to it, which was why it was part of why it was so incredible seeing him at Jazz Fest. Um, but he bring he just brings so much together of basically the whole post war post World War II American musical experience, um, and that's what's so cool about it. And even and I have to mention Woody Guthrie because I feel like you can't talk about American songwriters without talking about Woody Guthrie, who really inspired Dylan and Springsteen. And, and Bruce read a lot about Woody Guthrie back in the 80s, and he would often quote Woody Guthrie and actually covered This Land is Your Land uh, on that tour and talked about how it was an angry song and that people should remember that. So hmm. anyway, I will cut myself off here about Bruce. <laughs> I could go on. I could, epic. I could, this is great. Yeah. Someday this is, this is great. I, maybe I'll teach a college-level you know, course. I would love to do that, be a professor of Springsteen. Nice. But there are professors out there who do teach this stuff, and I've read a lot of their books. But anyway... We'll go on to Dylan. I, I don't. I, I think Scott might have him on his list as well. Um, Dylan, like we said, I mean, it's hard to overstate his his influence and his songwriting prowess. I was reading a write up on him. I think it was on Spotify. Even they they described his influence. I like how they described his influence on popular music as incalculable, which is a good way of putting it. I mean, you really can't so. you can't sum it up uh, accurately in words. Um, and he really going back to Woody Guthrie. He took that Woody Guthrie. Um, folk blues sound and he brought it to the masses in a way that you know had never been done before in the early 60s and uh, obviously was a massive influence on the Beatles who were the biggest rock band of all time also a massive influence on the Stones the part B of biggest rock band of all time but pretty much everyone thereafter in rock music and not just rock music but I would say all kinds of music um, and actually what we may tie into this in the news segment but but it's funny. I heard someone comparing Dylan to Shakespeare in the last week with this this uh, auction that occurred. But it was funny seeing seeing his original writings. They're like it's like looking at Shakespeare's writings. So some people might say that's overstating it, but you know, well, I, I'm probably a bigger Dylan fan than I'm a Shakespeare fan. Well, so you, we we don't need there to tease go. the news segment. We could talk about that because I wanted okay. to ask a question about favorite. And that's the end of my. That's my. Well, list. I wanted favorite Dylan song because uh, T, I'm gonna just put it out there right now. All three of us have Dylan at number one. I have Dylan at number one as well, which means go. that if we all agree upon the greatest Dylan song of all of all time, that means that it is the greatest, most well written <laughs> American, written, song. well written song by an American songwriter of all time. If you do the math, so. The news that Todd is referring to, of course, is the manuscript for Like a Rolling Stone was sold this week in auction, I believe, $2 million. Is that correct, Todd? Does that, get that, that? Is, that is correct. Yeah, for $2 million. So it does it does play into, of course, this uh, this this episode, and and with Bob Dylan, who is move, it will move on to be the unanimous number one pick this week. An interesting story there, of course, and it shows the importance of that song. So, favorite Dylan song, Todd, are you saying Like a Rolling Stone? Uh, I, you know, actually, I mean, I think that's that's as good a choice as any. It's yeah. just so hard with Dylan. Yeah. You could uh, honestly, you could pick, you could probably pick fifty songs or or something from any of them. But yeah, Watch I'm gonna Tower. say like a Rolling Stone. Watchtower. I, I thought you said Subterranean Homesick. I, I know, I did, I did. <laughs> but I'm just saying. <laughs> I change your mind. I might have to change my mind. I'm yeah. just thinking about it now. Now that you put me out, yeah, you know, if we're thinking about ultimate song, here. it's it's tough. I, I I go. I've got a list of three that I can't really decide between. I I think like a Rolling Stone, it's certainly one of my favorites, most favorite songs of all time. Uh, just so much of it, the way that Al Cooper plays on it, like everything about it. And if you watch 
the Dylan, the Scorsese produced Dylan documentary, I think. There's a really yes, cool yeah. interview. No Direction Home? Yeah, right? No Direction yeah. Home. Really cool interview with Al Cooper talking about the production of that song. And nice. the song is, is just incredible. And I think it's hard to displace it from the number one, the list. And we, I think we should do a whole show on the top five Dylan songs, definitely. So this is a totally oh, different sure. category. Uh, yeah. But it's hard to displace it from number one. Uh, but I think t- my two uh, honorable mentions would be Joker Man and Forever Young, uh, just personally. And then, you, I mean, Hurricane, I don't know. But and it, it's and another that's interesting because those show. are later. Those are yeah. 70s Dylan songs. That's yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Forever, yeah. Forever Young is just a great song. Both versions. I think I, I could, I honestly could listen to both versions. I was actually going to throw in Hurricane, actually. I was listening to Hurricane that yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Incredible song. Yeah. Yeah, I get, this is for another list. Another show. Another yeah, show. I was going to say, show. we could go on and on. But like a Rolling All Stone, right. for me, the combination of just the, the, the power of the song and the influence of that song. I mean, it, it, it broke down a lot of barriers, I think, in music. And so this week with the whole manuscript sale, um, you know, that was it was interesting because they were talking about that the record company, I think it was Columbia, they rejected the song when he first submitted it as like the, as the single. And they were like, no, no, that's not going to work. And he was like, yes, I think it is. Because <laughs> no, one, no, one, no one had ever played a six-minute song on the radio at that time. And uh, also at that time, I mean, rock songs, well, folk or rock songs were generally, the subject matter was very different because it's kind of an angry song, I think. Um, so it was, it was kind of interesting to think back about that song this week. Yeah, and, and like I said, just find the clip, Al Cooper from No Direction Home, talking about the production of like Rolling Stone, or watch the whole movie. But uh, I, that was my little experiment. I was going to see if we could de- decide on a unanimous number one song, but obviously not Harrison, so that's fine. Like a Rolling Stone <laughs> All right. doesn't win. But Leave that's, it to Harrison that's okay. to be no, the dissenting vote. No, that's okay. That's what I, didn't, here. I didn't, I didn't, I mean... I'm just kidding. Oh, no. we, they, 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 we don't all have to like Rolling Stone if you want. No, 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 no. Don't worry about no. it. No. All right. But the song was written in Washington D.C. I was going to mention that. So, oh, there you fun, go. Fun fact: If you look at the stationery, the manuscript that sold, it was written on hotel stationery, the old Roger Smith Hotel in D.C., which doesn't exist anymore. That's really. But I didn't. That's, that's something good. I didn't know until this week. The auction. That's interesting, so, Todd. Yeah. You, you didn't buy the uh, the manuscript for two million dollars. It's confidential. It would have been, okay? would have been really right. nice at your house. Whoever bought it, whoever <laughs> bought it, didn't want that to be public. So yeah. you know, I, I don't want to yeah. disclose that. Understand. Starting to blow up a spot, man. Yeah, re- yeah. recapping Todd's list number five. Hey, guys. you know, you guys yeah. know I've got enough Springsteen stuff on my walls. I don't have room for Dylan. I don't think. Oh well, he, <laughs> he is your number one. He is your number one, though. So recapping Todd's list number five: Josh Ritter, number four: Tom Petty, number three: Paul Simon, number two: Bruce Springsteen, and number one: Bob Dylan. All right, moving on to my list number five on my list of the greatest American songwriters. Personal pick. Sometimes we do this. We don't necessarily do greatest. We do favorite. John Popper, and I'll give you the reasoning why. Of course, John Popper, frontman of Blues Traveler. I uh, was a big Blues Traveler fan, remain a big Blues Traveler fan. Of course, they're on the county fair circuit now, so it's a little different. So I don't say that with as much pride <laughs> as I may have. Far back. more accessible these days, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. true. <laughs> you see them. It's pretty easy. That's, yeah. That's true. A lot There's of, no ivory tower there. <laughs> That's true, but yeah. one of my favorite bands growing up. Uh, John Popper, though, wrote one of my favorite songs. When I think about my favorite songs, and Sweet Pain is one of my favorite songs by Blues Traveler. It's from the older catalog, and you can uh, check that out. So that was why I put John Popper on there. A lot of other really well-written songs, too. I even think the pop hits. Uh, you know, Hook has that little weird thing, of course, in the middle that's a little strange. But even Hook and Run Around. Oh, and Hook's great. Yeah, Hook, is, Hook and Run yeah, Around. Yeah, are, 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 I think, really well-written songs. Uh, I, I always 
win again is a favorite one of mine. Mountains win again. Pretty angry, which came out a little later, uh, but even by later, it's still 15 years old. Uh, pretty angry, of course, <laughs> was, a, was a good song, too, all about the death of Bobby Sheehan. So, yeah, John Popper, you're on my list, man. You wrote my one of my favorite songs of all time, if not my favorite song. Like I said, Sweet Pain by Blues Traveler. So you're on my list. Number yeah. four, uh, number four. Uh, I st- so then when I started to kind of break down the list, I thought of guys who represent the places that they're from. And the next two guys on my list are synonymous with the regions of the country that they represent. I think they write uh, anything you hear from them makes you think of those places. So number four on my list is John Mellencamp. Nobody writes uh, as well about Indiana and the heartland. And I feel like the music immediately takes you back to to Indiana. Uh, no offense, of course, to the samples in their song, Indiana. But uh, <laughs> Mellencamp does a better job. So, yeah, Mellencamp. So, so, yeah. I don't so we're, at, so we're at fire so we're at firefly right yeah and todd pulls me to the side at some point during the day and he goes i just have to warn you scott told yeah. me he's putting Mellencamp on the list warn me warn like, you yeah warn me i oh come on i did not wow. say it like wow. you did wow. you I, absolutely I said, said was i'm letting like, you know that he I'm said like, he's putting it on there i didn't i'm letting you know like like it's something that i need to prove i was like of okay. course scott is putting yeah. john Mellencamp on his list Why, of course he is this isn't a discussion yeah Mellencamp's on, my list. on there yeah it's, yeah it's not i mean it's not as bad as my number three choice kid rock i mean come on <laughs> kid rock is not on my list Detroit. But, yeah, that's right. Uh, well, actually, you know, but you know who would have been an interesting pick that none of us have on their list is Eminem. Eminem, Eminem would have been a really interesting <laughs> yeah. pick. I think Eminem writes some of the uh, some of his songwriting is incredible, and True. he would have been an interesting pick. Nobody nobody took him. Maybe some of the listeners think strongly, and we'll tell. Yeah, us I think why we, I much. think we all had a, a fairly good vision of what we thought of as yeah. a, an American songwriter. That's and we no, but I mean, it could, hey, it could have been Eminem or Jay Z or whatever. Chuck True. D. Chuck D is another one, right? I mean, those yeah, are, yeah, but but uh, anyway, uh, I, I would say. Uh, Mellencamp at four with uh, Pink Houses being my favorite Mellencamp song for these. Good picks. Number three, Billy Joel. And Billy Joel, just because he writes so well about New York. I mean, obviously, uh, the songwriting takes you back to New York, makes you think of New York. And Billy Joel writes so well about New York. Uh, my favorite Billy Joel song. It's it's tough. I, I think it's... Um, Man, you know, I was going to say an obscure one because it means a lot to me because I kind I remember it as a young Capitals fan growing up in D.C. and the use of it on commercials was Running on Ice. <laughs> running on Ice, which is a super, Running on Ice. And then going back and listening to it, it's very cheesy today. It's, I don't it's, remember that one. Yeah. It's Running on Ice. Well, and it's from the same album as, as a matter, matter of Trust, which is another one oh. on that album. So oh. some, some deep cuts from Billy Joel that I, that I like. Of course, then you're talking about, then you get into the pop hits like We Didn't Start the Fire, whatever. Anyway. Billy Joel. If I had to pick number, I'm going to go with Running on Ice. It's it's an obscure track that I'm going to go with for my, wow, my number one. Running Billy, on Ice. Right. My number one song on the, that, on, I, yeah, on the Billy Joel um, mixtape. Yeah, number one. Number two, Bruce Springsteen. Number one song. Number one Springsteen song for me is Thunder Road. He also right. fits into that category of somebody who evokes an uh, a area. Oh, to, certainly, yeah, Jersey, North Jersey. Yeah, certainly. Jersey and New York quite, very much. Quite tied in, yeah. Definitely. Number two, Springsteen. Number one for me is Bob Dylan, the unanimous number one, and I already said, like a Rolling Stone, with the honorable mentions, Forever Young and Joker Man. 
So uh, those are those are my picks. So John Popper, John Mellencamp, Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan. You're the greatest American songwriters in my book. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and just and to I, put it out yeah. there, I, I I didn't I don't have any problem with Mellencamp. I don't I think Harrison the way he you know I, I don't know if his memory can be trusted totally from last weekend, but hey, um, <laughs> you were very you're you are you are giving me a warning in your I wasn't in your warning book. you. No, look, no, I I I've been a Mellencamp fan for as long as I can remember. I I just, you know, and, and he was certainly, you know, he's a great American songwriter. I just didn't have him, obviously, I didn't have him quite on my list, but he gets a, he would get an honorable mention, I would All think, right. for me. But what's interesting in doing my research, and I kind of knew this stuff before, but after the success of Springsteen, after Born to Run, uh, mm -hmm. there was a wave, a record company scrambled to find other American rockers, um, and they saw, and that's, in that wave was Mellencamp, Petty, um, there were a lot of people in that wave. Bob Seeger, who was already around, but didn't really get the greater success until after Bruce had broken through. So it was mm -hmm. interesting because there was this wave. You can even put Meatloaf. I saw him included in that list. But there was this wave of American uh, singers in the late 70s that came, that Bruce kind of broke down that wall. And then all these guys, and Mellencamp was part of that. And, and that's, you know, that's, nice. that's, a good, that's a good thing in my mind. For sure. Um, I think there was a lot of good music that came out of that. So the the list, and and I want to say something about the list. It, you know, as before we get into the final list, the final list is guaranteed to be a lot of old white dudes, and who hmm. sing, who do rock music. And we we talked about Chuck D and Jay Z and Eminem, and um, certainly some cred there, without a doubt. But also, obviously, I started one of the reasons why I wanted to start the show with Mavis Staples singing "Wrote a Song for Everyone" is to get a little bit of girl power because uh, no girls, no women on the list. Uh, Joni Mitchell would probably lead the list of American female singer-songwriters. Well, so, of course, Interesting yeah. note, though. Yeah, yeah. I, in my research, yeah. I found out Joni Mitchell is Canadian. Oh, so, so she, she wouldn't be found. Oh, make the list. I, yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I learned this yesterday. She came out of that Canadian folk scene that Neil Young came out of. And if anyone was wondering why we didn't talk about Neil Young, that would be a reason. But, um, yeah, she's Canadian, so she does not qualify. Disqualified. Uh, okay, yeah. Nina Simone is next on the list, right? How about okay. that? Yeah, that's we'll her. Go with that one. Did wow. Nina Simone? Did she write a lot of her stuff? I don't know. She wrote some stuff. I'm sure she wrote some stuff. I wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure. I, I was thinking of Linda Ronstadt because she was inducted the Rock and Roll. I know, but she, I don't think she wrote a lot. But Carol King wrote a lot of great songs. I, I, oh yeah. So I, I put her up there. I'm gonna be honest. I've gone to the internet on this one right now, and I've found some interesting mm -hmm. stuff. And why not? Admit it. Uh, I I did. I should have read further and realized that Joni Mitchell was Canadian. Nora <laughs> Jones is a nominee in this category. Tracy Chapman. More is modern a, ones. Yeah, too. Tracy Chapman That's is good. another one in this category. Those are two. Taylor Swift. Stick out. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Taylor Cheryl Crow. Swift. Jewel. You, could, you could make an argument for Taylor Swift. Sarah McLaughlin is disqualified in case you were wondering. She's yep. Canadian. Canadian. She's won multiple Junos. And Andy, De <laughs> Andy DeFranco. All right, let's get to the final list uh, All right. before Andy DeFranco wins the whole thing. Uh, so the greatest American <laughs> sorry because you know what and some of our, our female fans may say Annie DeFranco belongs in this list and we'd love to hear why email us twistedlister69 at gmail.com alright the final five I'm assuming Dylan and Springsteen are one and two I think we can safely assume that since they were yeah. unanimous. Billy, unanimous. Billy Joel had a four on one list and a three on another list. Is it fair to make Billy Joel number three? I think he, I think he bumps number three there. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. That's fair. Flexes, flexes into the three spot. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So Billy Joel at number three, and then that we're left with the following artists to fill out the uh, the the four the four and five slot. 
Beck, Tom Petty, Paul Simon, Josh Ritter, John Popper. I'm going to remove John Popper and Josh Ritter from the list. That's <laughs> that's fine. I knew that was a personal thing for yeah. both of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we can take um, – I mean, if we're just going to – we can all strike our fives if you want. I mean, if you, Okay. If, that's I mean, fair. That's, I mean, I, I, that's fair. You know, I, I was – yeah. So, I mean, I, I know Simon and Petty were on my list, but I think you guys – you know, I don't think that those were out there picks, but uh, – Th- that, no, I mean, I don't know what else there is. What else Johnny Cash, we got Johnny oh, Cash. Oh, Johnny Cash, right, 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 right. Yeah, right. we have that leaves us with Johnny Cash, Paul Simon, Tom Petty, and John Mellencamp for two slots. So, yeah, uh, I would vote. I would vote for Petty to be on the list out of those. That's my. That's I will my vote for Petty as well. All right, All right. So, so Petty goes on it at four, uh, possibly, and then we're so we're left with Paul Simon, Johnny Cash, Mellencamp. I think Mellencamp gets removed based on the conversations from you guys. I'm guessing, correct? Mellencamp's not getting any support. Okay, Mellencamp. Okay. Right, I mean, I need a little support. Look, I, a little I think support. Mellencamp's great. I just, I guess, if you if I put him against like Petty, well, he's not against Petty. I, I think it's the depth, the depth of, yeah. of the catalog. The, right. You know, I talked right. about the like you know Petty. I feel like has been has had a, a greater volume, you know, of and, and Mellencamp has some inc- incredible work, but I feel like um, he hasn't had as much in the last. I don't know, ten or fifteen years. Yeah. But... Mm. So I'd give it to I'd give it to Petty. I can give it to no, Petty. No, we got Petty on the list. Petty's at four. We have oh, Petty. Sorry, we Petty. Need, sorry. It's between you're you're gonna argue, um, Harrison. You're arguing for John Cash. Cash. Oh, sorry. I threw Petty in there. Todd's going the final Paul argument Simon. for sorry. Paul Simon, and then I'll decide. Simon yeah. Cash. Yeah. I mean, Folsom Folsom uh, Prison Blues. Boy named Sue. You know. Well, I gotta give you a Ring of Fire. <laughs> what do you want from me over here? When the man comes around, what a great song! Look, I let's. I, I can. I can. I'm okay with Cash. I can't. I mean, we. I got Petty on there, so we we can put Cash at five. Oh Everyone, really? You know, Paul. But I think. I, I think. Okay with that. I, I think, think Paul. Or Scott, unless you have a. Do you have I, a feeling Graceland, on like Graceland? Simon I think it's one of the great, best albums of all time. Graceland is incredible. I had a, a yeah. huge I, Graceland phase. I would. I, no, I would take Paul Simon over Johnny Cash. No, okay. That's I would. Fine. I'm okay I, with that. I would. Okay all right. So that's the the final nice. list is, the greatest American songwriters as defined by Twisted Lister, at number five is Paul Simon. At number. four, Four is Tom Petty at number three, Billy Joel. Number two, Bruce Springsteen. Number one, Bob Dylan. Well done, guys. Well done. All right. Uh, Sweet. That's, that's the list there for the week. Moving on, news of the week. Plenty of stuff to cover. First of all, guys, you guys were at the Firefly Fest last weekend. How was it? Give, give us a review. Todd, uh, go yeah, ahead. I'm going to kick that off. Um, I mean, it was a, it was, it was a great festival. I thought everything we, – we were. I think we were impressed with, logistically speaking – um, at how well well run it was. It's only the third year that it's been happening. It's in Dover, Delaware, for those that don't know. It's uh, the largest or second largest festival on the East Coast. It and Governor's Ball, I believe, are the two biggest. Um, and I think there are 80,000 people there, but it was it was fantastic. I mean, uh, Foo Fighters, I think, were the of the headliners, I think, were our highlight. for the three. We, It was the two of us and cousin Mike. Um, yeah, Foo Fighters were incredible. I mean, they just, if, for anyone who's, if you've seen them live, you know, they bring it every time. I mean, I've seen them probably four or five times, and they're incredible. Uh, and Dave, and this, Dave Grohl was such a showman. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and he seemed like very. They seemed very relaxed. You know, this is a very just kind of like thing to do for them. I feel like they weren't really. Um, yeah, they haven't been touring at all. Yeah, they've been touring, so it was just a good kind of like fun show for them. So and it, and it reflected in how and how well they played. I think. Yeah, it was a, it was very hit filled set. Um, definitely crowd pleasing set. And then they came out and did an incredible encore of, of covers from like their youth, and that uh, that included 
Uh, opening was out. Oh, they did Screws yeah. Out, Alice Cooper, which was incredible. They, they started the encore with that. Yeah, they did The Stones. They did Van Halen. Um, it was awesome. They did uh, Under Pressure with Queen and Bowie. It was awesome. And then they closed the whole thing with Everlong. But just, just incredible. So Foo Fighters, yeah, I think that was a, a clear highlight. Outcast put on a great show. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, were on that. I mean, I think it's, it's a little more scripted you know, just by the nature yeah. of it. A nice hit-filled set. They, I mean, they hit all yeah. the notes. They didn't subject us to any new music, so it was good. It was yeah. just just their hits. So, again, I appreciate that as a festival-goer. Uh, Harrison, do you want to explain your, your – your, your, Harrison has a set of festival guidelines that he was explaining festival, like, to us. For the band, week, like if you're for playing – headlining acts, at least. If you're a non-headlining act at a festival, there's a couple, like, I think, very clear rules, and some bands really <laughs> stuck to them. Harrison, the the A&R man, go. Yes. Do not wait, play wait. a song. I'm about to take this Hold on. I'm about to take the stage, Harrison, and I'm playing the, right. the 1230 time slot, okay? Yes. You got 45 festival. minutes, and you put out a 38-minute album last year, okay? So you need my <laughs> advice right now, right? <laughs> Do not play a new song. Do not play a new song. <laughs> you, play. you have to play songs that they might have heard. Don't play a new song. But the only, people that, have, the only people that have heard them are the uber nerds, okay? We know right. that, right? right. But, but I'm still playing to them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but you still got you still got to give them a chance to, like, Maybe know a song. So okay. maybe you have one charting hit right now on the alternative charts, and that's why you got invited and you're yeah. getting paid your five okay, grand I'm, to be I'm, there. I'm 22 years old. I don't even know what charting means, okay? In 2014, <laughs> an alternative. But go ahead. Yes, continue, manager. Yeah. So that's this one, number one. And if you were, where if did you I find this old over... this old manager? Who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> the rules. I mean, there's only really two rules, really. It's okay. Don't play new stuff. And if you have time left over, play that goddamn cover. Don't play new stuff. That's right. the rule. Right. I, I, really you're right. It down to is yeah. don't play new stuff. Right. That's like <laughs> we, we saw some bands follow his playbook. We did. We, we did. did. Um, Quite a few, no, actually. I was gonna say some of the like the lesser, well, other uh, yeah, some of the lesser known highlights I think were small pools. I think we all agreed small pools. Absolutely. They were a, a tremendous set. Um, they're kind of a danceable electro pop rock like a lot of these. You know, a yeah. lot of the younger music is right now. But uh, small pools stood out. Um, mm -hmm. I thought they did a great job, and they they actually covered New Radicals. Uh, you get what yep. you give, which was a very uh, a cool cover. It actually worked well, really? very well. I mean, they, and they and they were technically on it. They had it. They had it down pat. It was really good. They were really tight. And Small Pools has a couple like you know, uh, well at least one minor hit right now. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, they were great. I recommend checking them out. Bleachers were also. They had a great early day main stage set. Um, and Bleachers, it's the guy from Fun, Jack Antonoff. Uh, mm -hmm. But they had some great, and that's an example of a band where they joked. I think they only have like two songs that have been released. Yeah. But they had a whole set to fill, so I think I know they definitely threw in a cover. Swapples only has a four-song EP, so they did well for themselves. Yeah. As well. And oh. they both bands joked about how they're like, well, we pretty much played all our material like halfway through the set. It was funny. Yeah. Um, Congos I thought were an uh, unexpected surprise. I thought they were good. Um, yeah, they were good. Uh, yeah. Uh, Come with me now is a, their big hit right now. But the whole I've been listening to the album. It, you know, it's it's pretty good, pretty consistently good. And they were really good live too. They had good stage presence. Uh, they're I think were they part of the the um, singers playing drums trend? We saw a lot of that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's a huge thing, right? The, the singers. Yeah, doing yeah. The yeah. secondary yeah. percussion. The, the stand-up percussion. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, so that that's a big thing. Obviously, Bastille does that. Florence and the Machine. She kind of she might have been the one 
who really started that going back five mm-hmm. years ago. Not started it, huh. but made it, put it into the mainstream. And then you saw a lot of bands doing that. And well, obviously, your boys, the Killers, of course, he had the keyboard that he'd hit every few, right. every like well, 15 actually, minutes. You know, that leads me to yeah. one of the. I think yeah. the biggest disappointment of the festival was probably Imagine Dragons. I think absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they not were that bad. I thought they were going to be great, but they really. They played an hour of, of nothing but, I guess, deep cuts, but they weren't even very exciting deep cuts. <laughs> yeah, that was the first was, hour of their set. Someone yeah. someone in this show they said, like, that's, songs. Someone in this show said that's the band of the future. Someone, Harrison, was it you who you're like, this no. is the future? Like, this is the biggest no. band out there. You're something to They're that. the big, they are, I, th- they I are one of the biggest are, bands out they there. They are one of the I, biggest bands out there, and I think it's undeserved at this point. Right. They play. They have four charting songs. They waited until the last four songs <laughs> to play those songs. <laughs> well, they know because they're 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 not playing by your playbook. What they're doing is they're holding the audience no. because they know it. They when, are. But this is interesting. This is interesting. This means the body. They know when they kick into radioactive, people are going to go apeshit. And no, who do they pull? no, no, no. Who they, do they pull on Todd, stage for radioactive? They had some band that came on with that's, them. That's Todd. That's not what they know. What? what they know is when they play radioactive. After they play radioactive, people will leave. And that's the problem at a festival. If you don't have a strong enough body of work uh, and you're not worthy enough to be that headlining slot, if you play the hit or the hits – yeah, but, but they have enough hits. I, I understand if you have one hit, right? Yeah. Then you save it for the end. I get that. Yeah. But if you, you why don't they could have thrown in its time as like the opener? That would have right. been a great opener for the set. Right. They right. could have thrown in they could have thrown in uh, Top of the yeah. World or whatever. They could have thrown yeah. in like a few they've got like like four or five yeah. somewhat like at least semi hits. So uh, that's what that's what annoyed me. I was like, You're gonna play an hour of these uninspiring deep cuts and then and we were just bored. So um, I, I, anyway, they were they were a big disappointment, and Kaiser Chiefs didn't sound great. Yeah. You know, I've liked them a lot in the past. Yeah. And the horses were excellent. Oh, and the horses that's o- a always great are. Great band, yeah. That's Beck, a great Beck band. was great. Weezer crushed it. Weezer always puts on a great show. Very hit filled set. So yeah. I just wanted to cover some of the other highlights. Miss Mister. Uh, Miss Mister. I was gonna say. Band, I wanted you know, to say. The smaller yeah, actors. Yeah. yeah. And Group Love, we saw a couple songs with Group Love. They were really good. Wild, Wild Cub, Cub, very strong. And they had a great quote that you would like, Scott. Um, they were talking about how um, a, a reporter backstage was talking about how he's like the guy, the lead singer is like this reporter came up. He's like, you know, nobody's making money uh, selling music anymore, but you guys seem to be doing well. And he said, he's like, we're not making money either, but it's such a good feeling to be here, like at these kind of events, to connect with the audience. Yeah, he's like, that's, that's what it's about. And I was like, it's yeah, that's, more or less it. That's right? right. That's cool. That's a band that had it. Yeah. That, that, that you take that band uh, 15 to 20 years ago in the music industry, 15 to 20 years ago, they would be doing very well. They had a huge. You're talking about group love, I'm assuming, right? They had a huge. No, wild cup. Oh, wild cup. Wild, wild, wild cup. Okay. Wild cup. Yeah, yeah, wild cup. Yeah, but they'd probably be in the same boat. Obviously, uh, they would have mm-hmm. a single to be pushed to be pushed out to radio etc and yeah they they right that's no that's that's exactly right so yeah that's that's good and, uh, yeah. and anyway oh airborne toxic event wanted to mention them they always put on a great show they were yeah. they were really good yeah. but uh no it was, it was all in all a great time it was definitely a very young crowd we were on the older yeah. end of the spectrum yes. lots of high school and college kids yeah i guess we shouldn't be surprised um but no it was a great time and actually logistically a lot of things work better than coachella which was my last uh, well, I went to Jazz Fest too, but like last multi-day festival like that. 
So, um, yeah, Fi- so. Firefly is definitely building up their reputation. I think they're taking a page out of Bonnaroo's book. They're they're building yep. up their reputation, doing something. I, I think the lineup was different than what we saw from a lot of festivals. Not much electronic, right, on the Firefly lineup? Or- a little rock heavy. Yeah. It, was, it was rock yeah. heavy, yeah. for right. sure. We did see Girl, Girl Talk was the first night. Oh, okay. yeah. oh cool. And then they had pretty lights night, yeah. the second night. Yeah, yeah. late yeah. night stuff. They didn't do, like, Coachella, they do it all day. They have devo- dedicated, like, right. two stages or tense right. just to electronics so yeah Coachella it's a bigger it's yeah. much bigger so I wanted uh, and going back to something you said the s- small pools get what you give cover I kind of want I'm so curious so this is this is that this is a recording they did at KTCL in Denver really You pornographers could have been on my bands that didn't quite make it list. They were on they're on my short list for that. So this this works. This cover works, man. Um, yeah, it, it it worked. It was and it this 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 one sounds like it was done in a little like yeah, area studio, a, yeah, studio, a studio, but, yeah. but 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 yeah, this it, on the big stage they had a they had a very a pretty big sound. I thought. Um, yeah. So yeah. It works. It and there, really and the well. stage you're on was it was at the porch stage, which just had fantastic sound all weekend. It was oh, like it was, the, uh, it was the backyard stage. The backyard yeah. stage, where the sound was just great. It was always good. So it was uh, phosphorescent. Actually, was the first act we saw, and they had pretty good, pretty well, yeah, mostly really good, good sound. sound. Yeah. And a fired guitar tech. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, the okay. Alice Cooper Foo Fighters cover has made its way onto YouTube, which I'm oh, really, that was, really that curious. was tremendous, especially is, as the awesome. first track on the encore. Yeah, this is a really this good. is a bootleg version, obviously of that. It looks like they played it with Alice Cooper a couple years back in the UK, but this is from oh, Firefly. Really? So yeah, we're a fucking bar band called the Holy Shits that plays fucking classic rock songs. What about that shit? <laughs> And the, the beauty of that was, I realized when they played that, I was like, wait a minute, most of these kids, kids here are actually in school or just got, yeah, out, of school just got out of school. So, so very relevant for them. For us, it was more nostalgia. Foo Fighters continuing to prove why they're one of the greatest, if not the greatest, American rock band. It, rock band, yeah. period, touring in the world today. Uh, so Absolutely. much other stuff to talk about. Moving on to another great rock band, of course, Pearl Jam with Eddie Vedder covering Let It Go. Is there much to be said there? I thought, I mean, he did it. His his five-year-old daughter asked him to do it. That's the story. I can relate to that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's <laughs> You do anything at work that your five-year-old daughter tells you to do? Uh, More or less, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, was, that was an interesting story. I think we've all heard enough about that. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Electric Daisy Carnival, but I'll talk about that when we talk what we're listening to because i've gotten into this whole electronic thing lately and i think that has a lot to do with it glastonbury taking place this weekend of course metallica headlining plenty to be said about that that full show is now available on youtube a cool t-shirt coming out from metallica which was on sale at the show which had all the things that were said poorly about the the the, the bad things that were said about metallica headlining glastonbury so it was kind of cool them poking fun at that 
Anything to mm -hmm. add to that? To anything to add to the glass? No, I, I, I thought it was great. I, I thought it was a great just yeah. embracing your critics, basically, and saying, well, whatever. We don't, you know, we'll, yeah, I mean, we'll I take that and make, make, you know, lemonade out of it. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they give, I don't think they give many shits about what people think about. I was them gonna say, Metallica is at that level where it's like, yeah, who the, they, yeah. they don't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they knew they were gonna, people were gonna stick around to see them. It wasn't like right. suddenly they, yeah, people were gonna and leave. We, and I was watching, Scott sent that link to the, uh, it's on YouTube, I think, the BBC broadcast, already on there, because they just played last night, I think, and they just put on a kick-ass show, it was incredible, and actually reminded me why I, I Metallica's very high on my list of, of act of bands that I haven't seen that nice. I've wanted I saw to. them at Woodstock 99, actually, they put oh, on a show back then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that, them and ACDC are my top two arena acts that I haven't seen. And, and then, and uh, Jack White continues to prove why he is the best festival act of 2014, as he worked a little Metallica Enter Sandman into his set at Glastonbury this past weekend. So yeah, pretty nice. cool. He's getting raved. Jack White's on a roll, man. He is. He's getting raved. Crafty reviews. bastards are moving up in the world. Well, Crafty bastards are doing great. Crafty bastards. Yeah, man. but you know what? Crafty bastards, incredible. As, as I thought about our supergroup discussion, as I've been on this big electronic kick, I wanted to think. Yep. I wanted to say, I, I can't believe none of us took the any of the super DJs and put them even as producers Daft on Punk. any of yeah. our, our, uh, yeah. our super groups. So we can, we can talk LCD about that. LCD sound system. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah sure. James uh, yeah. So, so <laughs> I don't know. I was going more with the, the Calvin Harris, Tiesto, Avicii, but oh, we can, okay. you know, that's, that's okay. my feeling. Hey, so I'm saying what I'm I, saying I think is LCD sound system is one of the best. Of the whole I'll take Afrojack. For, uh, oh yeah, Afrojack. Take yeah. Afrojack. Yeah, Afrojack. Jade Stem. Yeah. Fine, fine. I've got a, Jade Stem. <laughs> fine. That's the Rob Ford project's in the studio with Avicii right now. But with the, the budget's going. Oh be, wow. Yeah, yeah. You, you the, might have to get some stretchers. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. It's dangerous <laughs> see going. Thirty-six to, people were hospitalized. Yeah, it's dangerous going the to the Avicii, Avicii concert. Yeah. Yeah. Watch wow. out if you're going to see Avicii this summer. One, one thing I wanted to talk about, because you guys know I like to talk about this stuff, is the the hearings this week in Congress on music world. I mean, it's really interesting, and I don't know. Our, our audience either doesn't give a shit, or they're if they're hanging on now at this point. I hope that I, I like this is the stuff I really like talking about, and I would talk about this for an hour, but it would bore people to death. But anyway, Congress this week in Congress, of course, there was there were hearings on music royalties. Music royalties are a mess right now because on the internet, uh, you pay and you pay a lot, and we know Pandora, for example, is bringing in a lot of revenue, but still is not a profitable company, uh, and they're the leaders in the internet radio space. And then on the other hand, Trust radio is paying zero in performance royalties so that's kind of the crux of the argument and at the same time we, we hear things from musicians which you alluded to talking about wild cub where they're not making any money uh so it's an interesting topic and i kind of wanted to get your guys' take on it obviously i'm very close to it with my radio experience and experience in internet radio and and new media and all that but i kind of want to get your take on it and what you guys think should be done about this i mean on, so my take real quick is radio is getting away with murder by not paying performance royalties i don't believe what they say when they say we're offering free promotion for music because I don't think they're really pushing new artists anymore and I think that ship has sailed. That's kind of the crux of my argument and I could go on forever about it but I'm curious as to what, what your guys' take is on it. I think it's really important because without these things being uh, fixed the, the future of the music industry is going to continue to be, it's just going to be fought out in courtrooms and on Congress and, and all the, you know in Congress and all this stuff and it's too bad. It's, it's a damn shame. So just curious your take on it. Uh, well, the legal expert. Yeah, yeah. yeah obviously, uh, yeah. going to law school because of these issues. Um, <laughs> so I have a lot of opinions on, or I went to law school because of a lot of these issues. So, um, you know, like the, the history. Yeah, obviously, you said the historic reason why that um, terrestrial radio doesn't pay uh, royalties is because there's a theory that they were promoting the artists 
uh, and then for uh, therefore helping record sales. I don't think that that has changed. I think what has happened is that record sales, you know, record sales continue to decline, and this music industry that's trying to prop up their coke and horror habits have to find new streams of <laughs> revenue. So they've been sticking it to the internet providers. Uh, like Pandora, who's paying you know enormous amounts in uh, royalty fees, and now Pandora's getting pissed that they're you know trying to compete with terrestrial radio, who isn't paying anything. So the answer is suddenly everybody should be paying more fees. But if you think you know on the other side of that ticket is Clear Channel, how quickly they're just going to start shutting down radio stations or putting on talk shows that don't cost anything to broadcast instead of paying money? They're not going to pay extra money to play music, like you said. If you don't like you know they do it. But is that a law? I mean, the question is the question is do we lose anything there? I mean, I'm going to argue with you. I. I think you're completely you said earlier i think right you said uh, you know a mm-hmm. second back that that radio is still promoting music and i'm going to disagree with that i'm not and i'm not advocating that pandora is i don't think pandora is doing a very good job either i mm-hmm. think there needs to be a new mechanism that comes out that actually promotes artists i think you look at youtube and soundcloud and i think they do a much better job they don't do it in, necessarily in a programming nature they do it because of the nature of the platform and it's more social and people share and all that mm-hmm. um I, I don't buy the fact that clear channel radio is building music stars outside of the pop and country stars that we see today i, I mean wild cub for example mm-hmm. what are they supposed to do i mean that's that's and pandora is yeah. not going to help them so but i, but right, I, but I think I, it depends what level my, i think at. my point is my point is that making making clear channel pay extra money to play the music isn't going to help things okay right that's, that's not going to make it better that's fair. Like, that's they're fair. just because suddenly yeah, you're now yeah. so what what's clear channel going to do you think they're going to absorb that two or three percent or do you think that, or do you think you're going to get an extra three minutes of commercials an hour yeah. to cover it yeah. You know, or they're just not going to play music. Well, or you what know, you, but here's what we could do. In the end, what that could do, the, the benefit of it is it could kill terrestrial radio once and for all, and we could have more creativity actually going over to internet radio and and that listening share go well, over yes, there. Sir. And the other know? big problem is, like, BMI and ASCAP are complete. I mean, they're complete cartels. They don't actually uh, benefit artists at all. Yeah. They like it's like ninety percent of the money gets absorbed before it ever makes it to the artist. People don't get paid out. They don't get paid per listen, which the internet gives you the ability and the technology to really track exactly how many right. times somebody's being listened to. And you could give people an accurate payment, but ASCAP and BMI don't want that because it means that their graft is going to end. They're not going to be able to skim as much off the top when people know actually how much money they should be getting paid. So there's so there's too many entrenched interests uh, at this point without a serious overhaul of our whole copyright system for it to work um yeah it's just it's ridiculous well, and then we've got the other the other problem is to have a system that's only in place in america is absurd because we're talking about global distribution obviously music is listened to globally there's no reason mm-hmm. why we i mean we really need to set up and this is the problem and this is one of the things that is preventing pandora from really taking over the universe basically is uh we have different rules obviously in the uk and different rules in france and italy and germany and other uh very large well-populated well, a lot, countries a lot of, a lot of those know? companies fall under what's known as the burn convention so there are there are some universal rules about general rights whether or not they they don't apply as much to the the streaming aspect which is the problem is but the, unfortunately the updates that they've been trying to do lately like the uh, tpp the trans-pacific partnership and so forth are horrendous from yeah. a consumer standpoint they're really really bad um the only people who are having any influence on this are um are, are the, the the big media companies and places like and and bmi and ascap 
who are trying to make it more and more restrictive, harder and harder to get the stuff you want, and trying to uh, you know narrow down the pipeline. So they're trying to kill the, the these things in the crib instead of actually expanding it. So that's really where things are screwed up at this point. That there are efforts to internationalize it, but they're really really bad. And they're really difficult. I mean, let's let's also I, I mentioned European countries a second ago, but obviously Asia mm-hmm. accounts for a large amount of people and a large amount of media intake, and that's a whole other set of, of rules and regulations or lack of regulations there. Todd, if you're bored, let us know. If you have an opinion, let us know. It's interesting stuff. I could talk for another hour about I, I think it's oh, me too. But we, we could probably move on. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, we yeah. could move on. To All right. So what are we, Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what uh, what are you guys listening to now? Harrison, go ahead. Um, I listened this week to Ed Ed Sherhan, uh, uh British oh, wow. artist. The pop sensation. Wow, yeah. Pop sensation. It Ed actually Sheeran. really I I Sheeran, I didn't know how to pronounce it. Uh, his new album Ed Sheeran, called, yeah. His new album is called Multiply, but it's called X, really. It's just the letter X, but you're supposed to call it Multiply because we're cool that way. Um, good, very <laughs> very kind of pop, pop folky. I guess uh, in, in my doing my research, he, I guess, became famous uh, writing and collaborating with Taylor Swift. Uh, he's a I saw him. I saw him open for her. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a kind of a, gin, he's a ginger. He's a ginger, and Taylor Swift named the album that he collaborated on Red, so I can only assume he got in there. So good for him. He he keeps claiming um, that the song on the new album is about Ellie Golding, not about Taylor Swift. Oh, he, of course. He dated Ellie Golding, so he says. Uh, it's really? Just did he date Ellie Golding? Really? Did he? He date did before. He's or been after. saying she in all the interviews. He but didn't she go out with Taylor Swift that we know of. No, no, yeah, but she named her album Red. I mean, I'm just going to give it to him. Uh, and, uh, okay. and all, right, <laughs> all right. That's true. And all she writes about is uh, is exes. So Ellie right. Goulding, did did he date Ellie Goulding before or after Skrillex? Because this is this is important. Did, did, yeah. oh, I think it was very. I think I don't know actually. I didn't know. I was, I guess, is Skrillex I, I with her before. currently? I'm not sure. I, 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 think, I hope before. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll have to check us weekly. We'll have to yeah. check with Vicky or Sarah. They yeah. probably know better. Definitely. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah, I live with. Yeah, um, I have a big. Lister, big, list, yeah. Listerwives at gmail.com. We need Lister, the Lister, Listerwives dig the Ellie Goulding. So. Listerwives, yeah. that's a good one. The Listerwives, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Listerwives. So actually, I'm glad you mentioned it, Sharon, because he seems to be, you know, he's having a moment right now. Um, mm-hmm. Sing is the big hit right now. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because it's with, he partners with Pharrell, like anyone wants to do these days if they want to hit or should do. And, I was wondering uh, why he had a he had a distinct Timberlakey sound to a lot of his. Well, that's stuff. A fun, yeah. Everyone's yeah. saying he's you know this album is very it's a Timberlake type sound, which I guess is a compliment for yeah for a lot of people. I came um, that to the conclusion independently, so I'm very proud of. Oh, myself. okay, yeah, yeah, no, he's getting nice. that that comparison. But guy, you know, I was reading the interview today. He sold out Madison Square Garden four times now. Um, wow. So he's having massive popularity over here, in, and not in you know, and, and he is in his native UK as well, but. Uh, nice. But anyway, no, it's an interesting. I'm glad you mentioned it because he is. We don't always cover the uh, what's what's happening on the the pop. And it's pop not a bad world. album. It's, it's 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 definitely worth a listen. Uh, you know, once no, or twice. No, I so, think he's. Yeah, I think try. he's talented. His first album yeah. was much more uh, like hushed acoustic, and A Team was the single off that. Uh, yeah. Single. But anyway, uh, I've been listening to uh, Bob Mould. And uh, speaking of great American songwriters, I thought it was appropriate with our topic today. But Bob Mould has a brand new album called Beauty and Ruin. And Bob Mould just keeps putting out, I think, great work, and he's pretty much under or not really recognized by a lot of the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is his 11th solo album. Sugar, uh, Sugar could have made the the bands that didn't get their list. I feel like yeah, I mean yeah, they could have been bigger for for the number of hits they had. They could have no. Sugar was a great band, and uh, and actually, you know, definitely if you like Sugar's stuff, Sugar's work. I mean, Bob Mould, a lot of his solo stuff sounds like that, and actually. Uh, 
some of the stuff on the new album definitely is reminiscent of Sugar and Husker Du. Um, you know, he was the driving force in those bands. So, uh, but anyway, I highly recommend the album if you like Bob Mould. I had the chance to see him uh, two years ago. Uh, he did a tour where actually he played the entire um, Copper Blue album, I want to say, uh, of oh, Sugar. Nice. So anyway, he his last album was great. This album's great, so I recommend it. He was on my my longer list of great American songwriters, and I have to throw Paul Westerberg in there too because I didn't mention him. <laughs> oh, Paul <laughs> Westerberg. The, but... Speaking of, yeah, just going back to the Twin City rivalry they had uh, back I, in the eighties. I I second you on the yeah the Bob Mould pick uh, for the week. It's good stuff. The new album is good, and overall the body of work of Bob Mould is incredible. And he's been doing a lot of media stuff and a lot of stuff written about him. So there's some great articles to read about Bob Mould and the career of Bob Mould because uh, with this new album coming out, it's it's impressive. You're Todd, you're so right. Yeah. I mean, what that guy's done is is amazing, and he continues. It is, to put out and he good flies stuff. under the radar. I feel yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's really, really good stuff. So I, as I mentioned, I've been on an electronic kick. I think it started with Electronic Daisy Carnival taking place in Vegas last week and reading about that, and then I got all into it. And it happened simultaneously with the launch of this year's edition of So You Think You Can Dance, which I am a huge, I am a huge fan of. So You Think You Can Dance. You guys really? probably don't know didn't this. Know uh, I didn't know that. So the new season started about three weeks ago. So all this kind of came together, and it got me listening to a lot of electronic music. And then I found the sets from last weekend's EDC. As Todd holds back the laughter, and and I've been listening to this while I'm running, and I can't. And this is Calvin Harris. And if you don't get the the EDM thing, just listen to this. It's... Yeah, just imagine being there. On certain yeah. substances, in the midst of it. <laughs> I think that's the key there. Yeah. Being there right, and uncertain I, I, substances. I, I'm changing my band name to the Uncertain Substances <laughs> right now. Okay. Uncertain Substances. And of course, the aforementioned Ellie Goulding. Ah, uh, yes. Anyway, Calvin, that's Calvin Harris's set from EDC in Vegas. The whole thing. It's an hour and 15 minutes. It's all available on SoundCloud. So uh, you can check that out, of course, and, and along with everything else. Like I was saying, I'm amazed that we left all those super DJs off of our, our super group episode. Uh, Tiesto with a new album out this week, too. So if you're into it, there's – or not, maybe not this week. I don't know. New, but he's got new stuff that just, just came out. So uh, <laughs> anyway, check that out. So that's what I've been, I've been listening to. That's it. So, nice. guys – Good episode, greatest American songwriters. Happy Fourth of July. Have a good, have a good uh, holiday. Of Can you take us out with some John Philip right. Sousa? Can we do John Philip uh, Sousa on the way out? I was John gonna, well, I was gonna, I was gonna take us out with the with the entrance theme from Hulk Hogan. But, no Bob uh, Dylan. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I could right. do, I could do, he's I could the do champion, Bob Dylan. right? I could do. Yeah, well, Bob Dylan's wearing the championship belt. That's true. He's, the, he's yeah. got the crown or the belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already, I had the Hulk Hogan, but hold on. This oh, is I'm sorry. Go with Hulk no, Hogan. No, no, no. You that. know That's what? If we works. want to, all right. You want the Hulk Hogan? Here's the Hulk Hogan and Harrison. Sing along. That works. I'm not singing wrong. <laughs> <laughs>